Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of The Changeover. This is Alana, and this is the last part of my interview with Ginger Wolf from the A&E hit TV show, Intervention. This episode is much longer than any of my other episodes, just because it's so jam-packed. So here we're picking up with where Ginger got out of prison and got her life back together as much as she could, and then life happened to her all over again. I know that I am not the only one, and Ginger is not the only one who has experienced that, because life happens, and it happens to most of us in very similar ways again and again and again. So make sure you check out that part of the story. Following that, we go into talking about relationships which is new to the changeover podcast because your girl hasn't talked relationships on here yet, but it's coming. So we talk about relationships that aren't good for you, but you're stuck in because it supports you. It enables you and things of that nature. We also talk about ownership and getting what you deserve. And literally when I tell y'all Ginger made me raise the standard of my life when it comes to dating and men and things of that nature it is it is so real um and I do not want to forget that we also talk about suicide and her experience there so hang tight this is a long one I know guys but I promise you that every single minute of it is worth it again I want to thank Ginger Wolf for this amazing interview if you have not seen Intervention Check her out. It's season 16. I believe it's episode seven. That way you got a face with a name if you're not following me on Instagram. Um, Because I'll be posting a picture of Ginger so you can actually see who you've been listening to these last few weeks. So thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of the interview, y'all. Whether you're comfortable where you are but still wanting more, or you're dying to find a place of peace, a few consistent decisions is a sure way to begin changing your life. We're going to break down every important decision we make and how to stop letting life happen to us and discuss how to make it happen for us. Join us as we talk about your year of transformation. Welcome to The Changeover. Here is your happy host, Alana Sparrow. Until, until I left, until I got out of prison, and my mom came and got me, and I was there with them for a little bit. And I, it was it was not a, a, an environment that was conducive to my sobriety or conducive to any of the things that I needed to do to straighten my life out. Mm-hmm. So when, as soon as my check came, when I came home, as soon as the prison mailed me my check, um, I started looking for a new place to live. Um, I got, went and got a place to live, and I got a job where I was at Sunny's, where I was making $8 an hour, <laughs> and I was riding my bike five miles there and five miles home twice a day because I was working three hours in the morning and three hours at night. Wow. Um, yeah, to make eight, I think it was like eight fifty an hour, oh eight twenty five an hour. Yeah. I'd ride my bike 20 miles a day because it was the only job I could get. Um, so then it was just like, oh, this is crazy. I wasn't making any money. I was literally just paying my child support. I was Mm -hmm. paying my bills with the money that I had left over from prison, which was running out quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, 
I caught MRSA while I was working up there. I got poked by one of their kitchen knives, um, and it was it was hot and dirty. And again, I'm in a I'm working in the kitchen, and there's no AC back there. Mm. But, get, but it was the only job I could get, girl, and I had to have you gotta a job. Make money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's real. So then I, I got poked with the thing. They did when I went into the hospital. They had to drain it. Um, they gave me a shot of the lotted. And I told them before they gave it to me that I I was a former um, oxycontin addict. Mm. And they're like, oh, it's fine. It's not. It shouldn't bother you. You'll be no. Because okay. um, it was only one shot. So they gave me one shot. Then they gave me a take home script because they had to like pack. Like I guess they had to put like stuff in my the open wound and like yeah. drain it and stuff so infection couldn't spread. Yes. Um, so they gave me stuff to take home and that was kind of like when my drug problem had started again. I was and and again it's not it's it's like I think it's a combination of things for me. It was I was again in this desperate shitty situation where is this all my life is? You know, is this all it's ever gonna be? Um, and it, 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 the drugs were just an easy, legitimized way for me to feel better. Um, gotcha. And then I couldn't, then Sonny's wouldn't let me work, of course, because I'm on prescription drugs. Um, even though I got hurt there, they wouldn't let me file it. I guess it was like um, an accident that happened there. Mm-hmm. So I ha- so again, I had medical bills. I had no insurance Oh, yet. darn. Uh, yeah. Shoot. Back to like square one, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was how it felt. So then I was like, well, fuck this. I'm not, I can't do this no more. And somebody had told me, I was like, I started looking up, like, kind of like pen pal type websites. And I ended up finding, like, a sugar daddy website. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck this. I had a friend that had a sugar daddy before. She wasn't so bad for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that was kind of how that started. And because uh, I, I couldn't, you know, in my mind, I didn't have a choice. What else was I going to do? You know, I couldn't, I didn't have a vehicle. I couldn't get to work. I'm a felon. Nobody wants to give me a job. I'm on house arrest, so I have to be, you know, all these places so many times a week. It was, it, that, that's where my mind was at. I'm sure I could have found something to make it work, but it was, the odds were so staggering. It would have been a miracle at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I started doing kind of like the sugar baby thing. And it started out with one guy that was very, very kind to me, very nice guy. It wasn't weird. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't anything weird. He was just, you know, he didn't want to ever want to get married again, and he thought that he could help me better my life, and he did for some time, mm-hmm. and then I, I couldn't get off the drugs when the, the script ran out, and then it went from, okay, I was kind of, my life was starting to kind of get better, I paid off my fines for probation, I, mm-hmm. my house rent and stuff was paid, all my bills were paid, I wasn't struggling, and then it's like, well, my drugs are out, they're not going to my script, and now I need them. Right. So then it went from, and that was probably, shit, that was, I got out in 2013. So now we're in 2014. Um, and then I, I, I got off the drugs for a little bit where I did like a, a maintenance program, like mm-hmm. a methadone clinic program. Hated it, couldn't stand it. I, that, I enrolled in school. Um, I was going to school, but the again the even the maintenance program it had me so groggy, so I couldn't I couldn't really function well. Um, so then I, I got to the point again where I was doing this where I would bounce back and forth between the maintenance program and I tried to get off the maintenance program and the withdrawal program. The withdrawal from the maintenance program was too difficult, so I would go back to the original drugs. Mm. Um, I wasn't I flunked out of of school for a little bit, wasn't able to do it, and then I went to, and this is, so this, 
the beginning of this, when I first, start, first got an original Sugar Daddy was like January 2014. Now we're towards like October 2014, I'd say. And you're still with the same one or? Uh, no, he dropped me by now. He dropped me by now because the drugs had went from okay. like, me taking them orally, taking them the way they were supposed to, to now I need money all the time. I can't explain why I need money. Uh, I don't look mm. the same. I don't act the same. I'm not reliable. I am no longer Ginger that he knew. So he saw, um, yeah, so he saw flags and kind of was like, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, he bounced. So, and I was like, we're, we, we still talk to this day. He saw the episode later on after I got treatment and reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me that he was so happy that I was doing better. And he sure. knew that there was something going on. He just wasn't sure. Um, which which was good because you know, he, was, he was a good guy to me. He wasn't, he wasn't what you saw on the show. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're in 2019. Sorry, I'm trying to back everything up. So <laughs> You're fine. Was... So intervention, my intervention was 2015. It was like December 16, 2015. So we're, you're leading up to intervention and how it got so chaotic. So dude dumped me so that I'm like, well, I'll just get, I basically got like day dates where like anybody that had, you know, two, 300 bucks or anything was a serial killer, I would go try to meet up with. Because at that point, my habit was to where I needed $300 every single day. Um, uh-huh. Not to mention my bills. Oh um, so I had to I had to make three hundred dollars a day just for dope. Never mind my you know eight hundred dollar a month rent and the, which were my bills were minuscule, you know compared to my drug problem. Right. You know? Wow. <laughs> so wow. so it, it all kind of snowballed. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up I ended up meeting Percy on. Um, so remember you had asked about Percy. Mm-hmm. I ended up meeting Percy like the summer. Before yeah, I had to watch the episode to find out who Percy yeah. is. Yeah, so I, I met Percy, like, off of one of the, the Sugar Daddy dating sites. Because I was also using, like, Plenty of Fish. And I would get dudes that would give me money off of, like, Plenty of Fish, too. Uh, it was awful. It was so many things. It, <laughs> it was disgusting. It really was. It really was. Just thinking about it and thinking about the way I worked it in my mind. Again, I, in my mind, I had no other choice. It was the only way to do it. I tried everything else. It wasn't going to work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so then um, I met Percy and... I, I, Percy, I kind of told Percy what I was doing. I was looking for, you know, someone that could basically support my fucking drug habit and, and like, be a decent person to me. And he wanted to take that on for whatever reason. Um, and uh, he, he ended up moving in with me. And we kind of, he kind of helped me as far as managing or trying to manage how much I was doing um, and trying to get some, like, control of like the bills and the, the living situation mm-hmm. so to the end of the day like I, I like this guy I cared for him but I still had to go see other people to support that drug habit you know what I mean yeah so like he would like I, I was like his from like night to the morning and he would go to work and I would go run off and go off with other men so I could get money to go to the drug dealer so in the episode like I, I saw that he was there and he would kind of like take the kids like if he was off I don't know like what the, the like his life and work schedule and stuff like that was but if he was there how he would kind of like take the kids um that way you could you know do what you want to do and he talked about how like for him it was difficult 
um, to kind of have to be in that situation, but he wanted to help you. And like, just, just that level of like, I guess I'll say selflessness is like, and on one hand, it's kind of like, oh, that's beautiful. And on the other hand, it's kind of like, whoa, like, yep. like, cause yep. thinking from like, from like my perspective, like, it's so easy to like love somebody so much that you want to do what's best for them. And then you end up kind of like, not necessarily compromising yourself, but you compromise like your self-worth, you compromise like all those things. So I'm trying to like wrap my mind around and not just specifically like this situation, but just in general, like how many times have I like kind of like done everything I can for somebody else when it was like hurting me inside but like I chose their happiness over and then it's kind of like and then where did that lead like how did that help me at this particular point so right and then at the end of the day too like another way to look at it is he was and this this is gonna sound harsh and I don't don't mean for it to sound harsh he was a good guy um we both had our own issues I think Mm -hmm. in order for someone to willingly enter into a relationship with with somebody like me where I was at that point Mm -hmm. they have to be broken to a whole other level yes 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 I agree Um, 100% and he is a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a reliable person. I am not saying any of those things. He right. never treated me badly. Um, as I started to get healthy, um, so 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 anyway, so here we'll fast forward this way we can make link the connection for your listeners. So, you know, I'm doing all these things. Percy comes into my life. I'm doing these things, but not as much as I'm trying. And it's it was a mess up situation for me too because I'm genuinely trying to not hurt this person's feelings or right. trying to be as best to this person as I can and it's it's impossible it's impossible with what I was what I was doing to support my habit you can't be good to somebody and then go do those things and support your habit you can't Um, but in my mind I was trying to make sense of all of it and I I basically told him at one point um, so we we tried to detox me we tried to do all the things I've done before and I was thinking that like with the love of somebody else maybe I could do it and I just couldn't um, and I told him I was like listen um, I'm going to write this TV show um, intervention because at this point it's my only way to get drug treatment if they don't come I'm going to shoot myself in the head in the back row. Um, and I thought about like suicide before because my life had, had been you know broken before but never to where I had a plan and it was interesting too because my because like I wrote out to intervention, and as I wrote out to them, I'm already thinking about, you know, they're not going to come. So I've written intervention once before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, it was when wow. I was waiting to be sentenced for the accident, and they didn't come. So in my mind, it was kind of going to be, it's either they're going to come or I'm shooting myself because there's no in between. So I'm like, I was literally out in the yard looking for the best spot to shoot myself in the head with Percy's gun, by the way. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, because I could, in my mind, it was the best thing that I could do for every person involved. Um, because the problem was me. And if you took me out of the equation, everyone would be sad, but eventually they would have a better life because their, their resources financially and emotionally would not be drained on me when I could not keep my life together. Um, I'm so happy so, that you did not and that you're still here with us. Like, I just want to stop you and to tell you that I'm grateful that you're here, Ginger. Hey, 
and it's, it's a, we, I appreciate that, but I'll be honest, man, it's so weird when people say that because I feel like people are congratulating me for the entering the normal world, you know? Um, so it, it's just weird. It, it's, just, it's, just, it's just weird. But um, either way, either way. So, so Percy's in my life, and uh, you know that that's what I'm thinking of. We write, uh, you know, intervention like August, September. They don't make the decision until like the beginning of December to come out, um, and which was good because I was going to shoot myself uh, the week between my niece's birthday and Christmas. Oh my god! Because goodness. I wanted, yeah, I'm t- dude. I'm telling you, I, I, I because I was thinking about. I didn't want to be around for Christmas. Because Christmas is just stressful anyway, and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to kill myself before my niece's birthday because I'm real close to my niece, my mm-hmm. brother's oldest kid, um, which is one of the ones that you saw on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and my intervention was the day of her birthday. But again, mm-hmm. like once they committed to coming, I knew they were coming. And the whole episode, it was interesting too because they edited out a lot of stuff of where it was like in the episode where they're following me around, I'm running around saying things like, where are all my clothes? Because I assume that everybody that's on the show knows they're missing two weeks worth of clothes. You know what I mean? How do you, how do you not know you're missing two weeks worth of clothes? Your family came in and packed up a bag. So like, I'm in my mind, I'm running around doing these things on the show, um, trying to show them that I don't know who they are. Um, and there was a lot of things that they asked me to orchestrate. Um, you know, like there were, the week that they came down, um, they wanted me to talk about my debt with my dealer. My dealer knew that they were coming and I was going to treatment. It was already kind of like pre-set, mm-hmm. but they wanted they wanted me to talk about um, the drugs. And there was at one point... Oh, it was like the kitchen happened. conversation? Yes. Okay. And there was, there was a couple points, too, where there was one point where they had asked me to walk down the road to go meet my dealer, which was never a thing. I, To be honest, I would take a cab. Um, there were times where I drove to like mm-hmm. the, the, the gas station. So I lived on Holmes Boulevard. I would just drive to the gas station because I was right there and just hope that I didn't get in trouble, you know, yeah. um, and, and do crazy shit. Um, and then they, they orchestrated to me calling a couple people um, because they wanted to show what I would do um, when I needed the money. So it was it, it, it was it was different. It was just kind of it was just an experience that led me to drug treatment. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and I, I and I'm gonna tell you this too. I fought with that that show tooth and nail to, to give me all the promises that they promised me. Um, and you can you can feel free to reach out and ask Percy about it. You can reach out to him on Facebook. He might he might talk to you. He might not. I don't know. Um, but uh, we had a lot of issues getting the show to do what they said they were gonna do. Um, as far as like they, they told me that I would go to a medical detox facility that had the capability to detox me with an IV and there'd be a doctor there 24 seven. They mm-hmm. dropped me off to California to a place that was kind of like a sober living. They didn't even have a doctor on staff. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I ended up going to the emergency room three times while I was out there and no. a $30,000 medical bill because I don't have insurance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, and the, the show wouldn't pay for it. The show wouldn't help me pay for it. Um, the director of the rehab called the show several times. But you got to think, they dropped me off December 16th. Mm-hmm. So within the first few days, they're all getting ready to go on Christmas vacation. Oh, yeah. So the, within the first week, and it was crazy, too, because the director of the rehab I was sent to, her sister had been murdered, like, the day before I got there. Oh. So, the people, the woman that was going to greet me, like, when I got there, it was just chaos. It was just total anarchy because, like, they didn't, none of what was set up was set up 
the way they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so then the first week I was just really sick waiting for the director to get back. Then the director got back and she was told that I had gas as my medical condition. <laughs> that my medical condition, instead of gastroparesis, she was told my medical condition was gas. Oh like, my yeah, gosh. Deal with her. So I get there and she gets there a week later. I'm throwing up everywhere and gray. You know, they're tell, telling her they need to send me to the hospital. She's like, we don't have the medical capability to do this. She got on the phone with Intervention, and then Intervention told her, well, that's what she gets. If she doesn't like it, she can walk out, and we're going to air the show however we see fit. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, and that was my experience with Intervention the whole time, was um, once they got their show, they, they, they dropped me off somewhere, and they didn't really care too much after that about, about what happened. So how did you... They're a shock-based show. Um, I fought with them tooth and nail. Um, they kept having phone conversations with me because they kept telling me what I was going through was with, was withdrawal. It'd be over in a couple days. And I told them, I've been through this before. In last yeah. three to four weeks, I'll be dead. Um, and I told them, I said, I'm telling you now, like this is with the medical director. The medical director is trying to get me out of there. And I, the, the big wigs of intervention, the CEOs of intervention are on the phone. And I'm telling them, I was like, they're saying that they, there are no medical facilities that have detox centers. And I knew they were going to lie to me. So Percy and I had went online and started watching shows. Percy, Percy was watching shows for me while I was in treatment. Mm-hmm. And he was documenting every time that they sent somebody to a, a facility that had a medical doctor. They sent someone to Betty Ford. They sent someone to Passage. They sent someone here. They sent someone there. And all these places had medical capability to give an IV, which is the only thing I asked for the whole time. Um, and they're lying to me, telling me it doesn't exist and they can't do it. Um, uh, this is what I get. So at that point, I was like, listen, if I die here, um, I'm, my boyfriend's going to sue the show. My boyfriend's going to sue the facility. If I don't die, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to reach out to every single person that's ever been on your show and I'm going to ask them what their experience was with you. The next day, I was on a plane to Destin to a real drug treatment center. Ah. The next fucking day. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the, like, it's crazy that it took all of that instead of that being, you know, like the initial concern but like shout out to your persistence because if you weren't so persistent at like going and doing all that research you and Percy and then like making sure that you're making contact instead of again just being really hopeless like oh well here it is here's the end you know what I mean you wouldn't have got the results that you got and dude I watch the show sometimes and I watch it a lot of times when I watch it I wait till the end and I see if they stay and I always wonder why did they leave? Did they leave just because they didn't want to be sober? Or did they leave because intervention promised them that they were going to find a facility where that would be a good fit for them? And they were they were derelict on their duty. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so then finally I, I go to this facility that was Destin, Reco- um, Destin Recovery Center. They had a doctor on staff 24-7. They are oh, there all the time. It was like a real legit center. Um and uh, things have started to calm down because by this week, I'm three weeks into it. They got me on some different medication um, and stuff like that. And then we started going to 12-step meetings in the community. Mm-hmm. And that was really what helped me. I started to make friends. I started to make connections. And I wasn't just hearing the same thing. Because in my opinion, one of the things I don't like about closed-off treatment centers where, you know, people don't come in with sober time and you're just with, you're with the same people all day. You're with the same people that have the same problem that you have or all they're thinking about right now is mm-hmm. drugs or how ter- drugs have ruined their life. They're not thinking solution. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, so, 100%. So for, 
So it was a it was a 100 and uh, it was a 360 degree turn or 180 degree turn from the first facility that I was at where I kept hearing problems problems problems. This place was all solution based, so it was great. Um, and it, I really gave it a lot of credit, and the people in the community, uh, the 12 step community, a lot of the credit for my success with that. Um, and then once I was done with that phase, I decided to move on to sober living. Uh, right before I made the choice to move on to sober living, you know, personally. So, what's sober living? I don't, I don't, so, so what is so, that? So, so there's, there's like basically three phases to what a lot of facilities consider complete and uh, full treatment, drug treatment. Okay. There's your detox, which is when you flush the drugs out. Okay. For me, it's like a, a two, three week process of just being sick and feeling like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting the dope out of your system. And then, then you go to your recovery phase, which is where you start addressing your core issues. You know, you start learning how to interact with other people, um, not off of need based, but off of you know a real relationship based. As far as making friends and learning how to contribute to your community, learning how to be a normal human being. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, I lost a lot of that. Right. Uh, I got strung out on the drugs. Uh, and then after that, once so once you've spent anywhere from you know thirty to ninety days in treatment, they ask you to go to sober living, which is where you have it's kind of like your integration into the world. You okay. go in there with other people who have completed you know sober time. They've made they passed their drug test. They're going. You go to so many meetings a week or whatever, or church or whatever your your twelve step help is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get a job after you know you maintain the cleanliness of your house, but you live in a community environment. Everyone's accountable, and you make sure that you go under drug testing and things like that to mm-hmm. prepare you to go off into the world alone or back into your family. Okay. Um, so that's sober so, living. Okay. So that's okay. So while I was while I was at Destin, um, while I was at Destin Recovery Center, a common theme that kept coming up was Percy, as far as the counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted me to have nothing to do with him, and I didn't understand it um, when I first came in. I was like, well, I mean, he's the only one that was here for me. He basically made this show happen mm-hmm. um, because he he was the one that that pretended to write the letter. He was the one that interacted with intervention, mm. you know, just as much as I did before they came out because my parents, my yeah. family wouldn't do it. Um, you know, so yeah. so for me, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to try to make it work because in my mind, that was what I had promised him. I had promised him, dude, if you ride this out with me, you'll get a sober gender, I'll be a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to make good on that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the type of person where if I do something, I, I do what I, I say. Something, I'm going to do something, I try to do it. So we had been going back and forth with this thing, and my uncle died while I was in treatment. My uncle died mm-hmm. like 45 days into treatment. I'm sorry. So um, it was a family friend, and then an uncle died. So within two days, it was seven. Oh, wow. So, so the treatment center didn't want me to go home, um, but they said they couldn't prevent me from coming home. So Percy actually came out. He did a session with um, my counselor that we had been pre-planning, mm-hmm. um, and then I rode back with him. And uh, when I came home, there was just a lot of red flags. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot of clutter that hadn't been there before, um, like. Like empty shampoo bottles, like ten of them in the shower. Like, why not throw them in the garbage? <laughs> I just—I mean, I used to do that. I, mean, I remember shooting up in my neck and then throwing stuff in the garbage. I mean, you're sober; you can't throw stuff in the garbage, you know. Um, and then, and like, 
there were there were just a lot of red flags, a lot of possessiveness. Um, mm, he kept that you hadn't that noticed owed, before. Yeah, he kept telling me that I, I owed him because mm. um, he helped me get him sober and that I belonged to him um, and shit like this. And I'm like, what? What, Maggie? This does not sound right. Right. <laughs> right. Like this is a red flag. So. You know, being home and, you know, just interacting with him a little bit. And um, it, it, he, didn't, he didn't really want anything to do with, um, it was strongly recommended for out that he do Al-Anon because, uh, you know, they, they say that um, depend, drug dependency and drug and alcohol issues are a family disease and it's a family solution. Um, it's never just a one-person thing. Um, the mm-hmm. family contributes in ways that they don't know a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way, like, everybody has to come back together and heal at some point. So he was, he was recommended to do Al-Anon, and he didn't, he didn't want to partake in any of his own recovery. I don't know if you remember, but during our intervention, they actually offered my mom and Percy both to go receive some trauma therapy at, um, at some, some center in Tennessee. They were both offered a free week to go up there and to participate, and they both declined mm. um, because, because neither one of them had issues. It was just me. I I don't recall that part. I do re- like recall seeing and like their response and seeing how like I can see them being like, no, we're fine. We we just want to make sure she's good. Like we're fine yeah, with her being dependent on us. They could have edited it out. They edited out a lot. I mean, they followed me around for a week, and then I think they they pick and choose what they wanted. Yeah. Um, on there. Plus, I mean, you have to think before they even edited it, they had this whole fiasco with me telling him I'm going to sue them, blah, 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 blah. True. (laughs) (laughs) Might make a little difference. Yeah, well, there was was one point, too, where during the the actual intervention, Ken Seeley had promised me, I promised that there was $75,000 to $100,000 worth of scholarship money for me to go to treatment. And then when they dropped me off at this place where literally it was, it was a place where you either go to, you go go to prison or you go here. And I think that the reason why he did that was because when Ken Seeley saw me, all he saw was a girl that came out of prison that was sucking dick for money. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to say it that way, but it's the truth. It's um, and we've, we've had conversations about it mm. to this day. So that's how they, they plan to treat, not necessarily like in general, but with that idea of who you are, who you were. That's, that's why I, I firmly believe that is why I got the treatment center that I got. Mm. And then when you showed them that you weren't is when they were like, oh, okay, well, let me step this up. Okay, well, let me give her exactly what she's asking for, what we told her I we was going to give her, and I also not get sued. Realized, I think they just realized that I wasn't going to, um, that I, I did my part, and that's a common theme with me. I did my part. You're going to have to do yours. I did what I said I would do. I gave you the best show you could have got, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I gave you, I gave you a lot of good shit for people to ooh and ah just yeah. give me the treatment that you promised me if all I want is what you promised me yeah I never asked for anything more than what they told me they were going to give me um but yeah so so that was a thing so anyway so I got home and this was kind of like a red flag and then when I came back like his tonality was different like when we spoke on the phone and when we you know because we would have you know weekly phone calls where I could call home and see what was going on and mm-hmm. um it just it, it, his focus had went to from when I came home it was very from us to him mm. um, and I, I just felt kind of suffocated by it um, and it, it became super clear that he didn't want he 
didn't sign up for uh, the work that he was going to have to do. All he signed up for was me to go to treatment for a few weeks, flush the drugs out, and be brand new. Because I don't think he understood mm-hmm. um, what how much work it takes to go from where I was to like a to kind of where I am now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think once I realized that he wasn't up for it, and there 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 was just so many little mini signs that were starting to pop up. Um, we had had a phone conversation. I was like, listen, let's just, I was trying to get him to break up with me because I didn't want to hurt him. Um, but he wasn't going to do it because, and it was interesting too, because once I, we officially broke up, um, he kind of just gave me the option. He's like, don't call me Monday. He's like, don't call me on Monday. If you just don't, if you don't want to be together, don't call me Monday. Um, mm. because I would, so, so, so that had happened. And, and so, it's, I'm sorry, I'm bouncing back and forth because there's You're just fine. so much. You're fine. Um, so, so that was like on Friday. The Wednesday before this, um, intervention called and said, hey, she's doing so great. Um, you know, we, we're, they, they had come at like 60 days sober and they'd come and done their follow-up interview. Mm-hmm. As soon as they got their follow-up interview, the facility that I was at said, hey, She's good to go. You could send her on to her next phase. I was originally supposed to do 90 to 100 days, 120 days on treatment. Mm-hmm. But as soon as intervention came and got their second recording after 60 days, the first center said, okay, her scholarship's done. She's good to go. Let's go. I said, okay. So inter- Ken Seeley called because while Ken Seeley and I were talking, he just asked if I was going to sober living. And I told, I, my response was, do you know of a sober living that will scholarship me? Because as you know, there's no money. Um, and he called back that next week and said he would scholarship me for his sober living in California. Oh, okay. Ugh, fuck it. So I call. I'm all excited. I'm like, yay, I'm going to sober living in California. I'm in a new life. Mm-hmm. I call my landlord. And I, because the place where Percy and I was living was the place that I got when I came home from prison. Everything was in my name. Okay. Um, so I called the landlord and said, hey, I want to move out. I want to move out. Um, like, if, I'm, if I come home next week, can I get all my stuff and get my last month's deposit back? Um, that way I had, you know, the, the $800 to, for some money because I had yeah. zero dollars. None. Not, not five bucks to my name. Not even a bank account. And um, he said, yeah. So I started making arrangements, you know, to to do that. And I called Percy, like, hey, I'm going to go to to sober living and whatnot. Um, do you want to stay in the house? If you don't want to stay, you don't have to. And that, he got really bitter. Then we, we started having issues. I was like that Wednesday. We broke up that Friday. So I called the landlord and said, hey, neither one of us are staying. We're definitely going to move out. I'll be there, um, you know, whenever to come to come get it. The next day or like the day after, we get a call from Intervention or Ken Seeley saying that he has to take away his offer no. to, to sober living. Yes, girl. Yes. Um, and sober living in California costs $3,500 a month. No. Um, yeah, to, the, to his facility. It was like, I think he said it was $3,500 a month to share a room with somebody and live out there and be a part of the program for three months. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, well, I've already told my landlord I'm moving out. He's already going to rent the house. I've broken right. up with my boyfriend. Now I'm homeless. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I have no money. Oh and you my guys gosh. are telling me that I can't go to sober living, and the place that I'm at now was letting me go on the condition that you were sending me to your sober living. So now I have nowhere to go. Um, and my counselor's, like, pissed because... You know, because she 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 knew about how everything had unfolded. Yeah. Know? So so anyway, that now my treatment true. center now my treatment center doesn't want to let me go home 
Um, so we have this battle where I sign myself out AMA because if I say I'm going to go do something, I'm going to do it. You yeah. guys told me you were going to let me go. I made the arrangements to get it done. I'm going. <laughs> so I fought with them. I signed myself out AMA. I went home. I packed up my house. I literally gave away everything in my home. Everything. Um, the only thing I kept was my grandmother's dishes, um, two suitcases of clothes, and then my stuff for my esthetician and cosmetology, my cosmetology products. That was it. Everything else I put on Facebook, come get it. $5 for a dresser, you know, um, five mm-hmm. bucks for the couch and living room set. Wow. Just so I had, because I needed to get rid of everything in like two, three days. Yeah. You know, um, and I wanted to see family and didn't want to deal with it. I was like, just come take it, come take it. So there's a ton of people just at my house just taking all my stuff. Um, and it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. So I, I, while I was at home, I started looking around for sober livings in the area mm-hmm. that I could afford. I ended up with like 1500 bucks in my pocket by the time I got all my money back from the deposits and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I couldn't find a place. So on my way back, I actually was reached out to somebody who knew somebody who worked on the show. And I guess one of the, the girls that had worked on intervention had went and told the story of basically what had happened to me with this whole intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and her friend stepped in. Her friend was like, the promises, I'll never forget it. She got on the phone and said, the promises that have been made to you and have been forgotten are atrocious. She's like, if you will trust me, she's like, I'll send you something in writing right now saying that if you can get a flight out here, you can come stay here. We'll even give you $75 a week gift card for food. Um, wow. So, I, so she, I said, you send it to me in writing. I'll sign it and I'll get, I'll book a flight. Um, so that's what I did. And then I, I went back from the treatment center because condition was, of course, that I had to be sober. Mm-hmm. So I went back home to my old environment. And um, it was interesting because I kept hearing the word codependent, codependent. I didn't really know what it meant until the day that I went home. My house was totally empty of, like, everything but the my sleeping bag, my clothes, and, like, a pillow. Like, I was literally laying on the empty floor of my house with mm-hmm. sleep, and I, I, I wanted to call Percy and have him come back, mm-hmm. even though I knew the relationship was done, was yes. over, that we, it was not going to go anywhere because I, that, that, that um, codependency, that loneliness really set in, and I really felt it. Yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, wow. um, so, so I, that was kind of that. I went back out, and um, Doug and I had known each other from before. Because I remember you asked. And who's Doug? Let the people know who Doug is. Yeah. So, so my husband is Doug. Ah, uh, husband. Doug, Doug, okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Doug, my husband's an engineer. Uh, he goes out on ships. Really good guy. Never had a drug problem. Never had a drinking problem. Never been in trouble with the law. Um, just a really good, normal guy. Praise God, I found that man. That's beautiful. <laughs> Um, and it was interesting because Doug met me while I was on drugs. Um, and he really wanted to, um, to get to know me more and to like, you know, look at us spending time together. And I wouldn't even explore it because I knew that there was no way mm. I could possibly be a good partner to this man. Wow. But he, you know, I, I really, he was a good guy and I just had a lot going on. I was trying to hear his treatment. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so. So Percy knew that, um, you know, that Doug and I were close. So while I was in treatment, Percy called 
called Doug and told him that I, everything that I had been doing, and I guess he was trying to deter Doug from being my friend right. um, or for being there for me. Oh. And he actually did this to a lot of people because my phone was, that was the only thing that was in his name, was my phone. Uh, everything else was in my name, but my phone, somehow I let him put it in his name. Mm-hmm. So he had, like, he would go through all my messages. Wow. Like every message that I'd ever sent to anybody on my phone calls he recorded, which I thought was weird. Like, you know what I'm doing. Like, you want to hear the deal making of it? Yeah. You know? Like, wow. yeah. I, I didn't even find out about that until I was in treatment. Um, so it, it, was, it was whatever. I mean, there wasn't anything that I was hiding from him. But when I was in treatment, he, he said that he went in through because he could reach my contacts and access my contacts. And he reached out to several people that he thought would help me, even in like, not necessarily help me, like buy me drugs or get me out of treatment. But like when I got out, like, hey, if you need help, like getting a job or if you need help, like legitimately getting on your feet let me know um he he tried to reach out and burn all those bridges for me so i would only have oh wow yeah that's Um, so with that um so as soon as you talked about how he would like go through your messages and stuff like that there's literally like there's i've had this conversation three times with three different people you being the fourth when it comes to like trusting and relationships and stuff like that and i literally feel like if there is any question, if there's any like inclination that I need to go through your messages or you need to go through mine, like we don't need to be together. Like it's yeah. But okay, that's not what you're talking about. I just had to say that. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. No, and especially with like the nature of what I was doing, because he would come home and he'd ask me, how much money did you make today? How many pills did you do? Who did you see? What did you do? And I would tell him. And it's like, why were you asking me if you already knew? Just to make sure I was a lie? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I was going to lie, buddy, I would have told you about none of this to start. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we just had to start all that. <laughs> but anyway, so so yeah, so so Doug had had heard through Percy that you know I've seen drug treatment and all these things, and um, when I came back to kind of empty out the house, I had to make amends to people. I didn't have to, but I chose. That was the step that I was on in my program. I chose to make amends to people, and one of the people I went made amends to was Doug because he didn't know what I was going through. He was trying to be such a good friend to me, and I wouldn't tell him what I meant. Mm-hmm. You know. So when I was in California, he was at the sea, we started talking a lot. Um, California, uh, by the time my scholarship went out, I realized I couldn't pay for it there, and I was going to have to come home. And Doug was like, you know, you could come stay with me. I'm never home anyway. Uh, you come stay here. You could get a job. You can go back to school. Uh, you know, see if you get your life together, and then you can move out on your own. Uh, and then, I, you know, I moved in with him, and it was just kind of perfect like we just have a really good strong solid relationship and then within a couple years we were married and now we, we moved away um just because it obviously has too much trauma for me yes um, uh, my family's still very sick um, mm-hmm. there's a lot um you know yeah yeah um so I, I basically have like a two-day rule now i go in and i go out i'm never there more than two that's oh wow okay so I like that yeah I live in I I live in Destin now I I live where I got sober so the only thing I know out here is sobriety and like a normal life versus in St. Augustine every time I go there all I think about are all my old connections and like you know 
and th- there's just so much when like because it's so small anyways there's there's so much you can do when you're there that yeah. like you like, you have to either do nothing at all or you're like connecting with like your past in one way or another i absolutely love how doug was there like before you were sober and how he didn't kind of hold that against you or anything like that like he was just genuinely there to be a friend to you and how you knew like where you were and what you were capable of as far as like being in a good place to do stuff like that because a lot of people we don't realize like we see something good and it's like oh let me jump on that because like I have to because I may not have the opportunity to have this with somebody else but you took ownership which is something that like is constant all throughout this interview um and essentially your life but taking ownership of yourself like down to being like hey nobody's gonna help me we gotta write this letter like it's it's so beautiful to hear that in a place again where like I said before where you can feel like really hopeless how it turned around for you and you said y'all were together for like a couple of years and now you're married and now you live in a place where all you know is sobriety and I just like this is so beautiful Ginger I mean, and I'll attribute, I'll be honest, I attribute a lot of it to um, the willingness of the people around me. Because it was, I had to be willing to do the work and to take direction. But, dude, I was crazy first coming off all that stuff. And I was so angry. And, like, I am not really an approachable person anyway if I don't want to be approached. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm super great at dismissing people mm-hmm. um, just because of whatever insecurities I have. If I don't want to talk about something, I'll just dismiss you and ignore you until you go away. Yeah. Um, I I had people that were in the 12 step community that, um, you know, even though at my point in time, I didn't really feel unlovable. And it's it's still something I really struggle with. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is um, things that happened when I was a child, Mm -hmm. being told by my parents that we were stupid, that we were worthless, um, and things like that. And then having these events which in my mind for a long time confirmed all those things that, you know, my, my parents used to tell me, you know, that, you know, I'd never be anything, or I was a waste. Uh, a lot of it, I think, comes up now, and, it, and my way to kind of deal with it is is to kind of give empowerment to other people, whether it be somebody that's being bullied or someone that just... I, I don't know. I always I walk into a room and I always identify with, like, the person that looks the most out of place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because I really felt like that a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I give a lot of credit to Doug because Doug did it. Doug has been to Al-Anon. Doug's been to Narnon. He's been to AA. Uh, he's, he's done all these things. You know what I mean? Um, because he's seen how they help me. And he never holds it over my head. He's never like, well, I did this thing for you and you owe me. And that was very That's much beautiful. the feeling that I felt with Percy. Mm. Um, you know, I did these things for you, so now you owe me. Wow. Um, yeah, so, it, yeah. I think um, that you know, Doug, Doug being really willing to just pack up his life. You know, when we moved, we, he sold two houses. 
so we could move out here. Oh, so he didn't already you know live. I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah. He changed his whole life um, because oh. I told him I couldn't be there. And I'll be honest, like when I had given him, when I had told him at that point, um, like, hey, I don't know. I, I can't stay here. It's not healthy for me. Um, you can come with me or you can stay. I, I wasn't planning on him to come with me mm-hmm. because in my life, my, my experience has been, this is your shit. This is your problem. You need to go deal with it. I'm not uprooting my life. And I'm not going to discomfort myself for you. Um, tolerate me when you're, when you're better. Um, that's really what I was expecting. I had no plan either. I was just going to come out to Destin and just go live with a friend of mine that Doug didn't want to come. Uh, just because I knew I couldn't be there. I just couldn't be in that area anymore. There's so many um, nuggets. He, 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 it, what's crazy, too, a lot of us, he was in Europe when I told him. Uh, and uh, I ended up coming out here without him. I didn't pack up the house or anything. Um, and when he got home from Europe, he went, he came out here for two days to Destin, found us a house in two days, went home, packed up both houses, um, and put them up for sale, and then we moved out here like a week later. Let me tell the ladies this. Ladies, <laughs> first of all, okay. <laughs> First of all, y'all better stop playing with these men that don't have any intentions because clearly there are men out here with intentions and it doesn't like don't feel like girl, hold on, I got to I got to do this. Don't feel like oh because this was my life, this was my past, you know, oh because I've went through this, I've done this, like whatever that is for you in your life. Do not feel like you are stuck with some guy and some guy's your only chance because Ginger got a whole man with a whole house and a whole nother country to like multiple houses to come back, sell these houses, go to where she is, find a spot for them and buy it there. And they're married now. Listen, y'all better stop. So we are not settling in 2019, ladies. Men, I need y'all to step it up. Right. I need y'all to Dude, step it up, I gentlemen. Can get a decent man that has a, and I got insurance now, y'all. Yes. Hey. And uh, even better, I actually just did this the other day. I have an appointment with the Andrews Institute. Uh-huh. They What's are that? like one of the the best institutes in the area. Like a, like Drew Brees went here, and like or quite a few uh, football players and athletes go here for their specialty issues um, with their their injuries to their backs and muscles. Yeah, so yeah, to try. I do chiropractic care now. Um, okay. That's another thing. Because um, a lot of people say, well, if you had chronic pain, how did you just stop doing pills? I didn't. Part of why we moved was because I was still experiencing the same pain mm-hmm. with my stomach and my back and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the drugs were so available where I was. Like, literally every day I would see somebody that I could easily get drugs from so I mm-hmm. that's the point where I was like listen I can't do this I'm gonna go back on drugs mm-hmm. I can't I can't be here Come on, um, I need to get, and, and I'm not saying that everybody has to do that I'm just saying for me and where I was at at that point in time with the pain that I was experiencing that's what I have to do and then once we got to Destin you know we went into debt um, you know he went into debt trying to help me because we got me a chiropractor I got a personal trainer. Come on, uh, actions. Ugh. You know, like we we did a lot. And like I still I work now and I contribute now 
Um, but in the beginning, it was it was really rough. You know, he makes really good money. He makes six figures a year, and we were going into debt because of all the stuff that he was trying to help me fix due to the injuries that I sustained and just the, the lack of treatment for so long to these big problems that had just been, you know, amassing every day. Mm. So it's, 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 it's continual work. It's, it's not like, um, oh, Ginger's out of rehab and she's healed. It never it doesn't work like that for me. Right. Not for me. Um, so, yeah. So this is definitely going to have to be a two-part episode. <laughs> Girl, no, do not apologize. Like twenty minutes. Do not apologize. I just feel like if, like, I know that if I leave it as is, like, I will have listeners that don't get out of their car to go into work. There's going. <laughs> they're just going because there's so much. This is this is such a great interview oh my gosh I love your story like you have no idea like the number of ways that you've inspired me where I'm just kind of like like I told you earlier how I don't like I will listen to each episode once just to make sure they're good sound wise and anything like that Ginger I'm telling you I will listen to this multiple times because there's so much here like I don't care how many episodes I break it into I listen to all of them multiple times just so I can make sure that I'm grabbing because you know there's you can learn by your own experience you can learn from others like I I I try to learn from others I do a lot of my own foolishness um but there's just there's just so much stuff that you can learn from others like down to like the relationship part of things and like I know um that 2019 is going to be a really good relationship year for me and I have to make sure that I have certain expectations and I know what I'm going to accept, what I'm not going to accept, and that my standards aren't too low. You know what I mean? Like, honey, I have raised my standards in these in this last, you know, however long it's been, because listen, yeah, you can't see me like flipping my hair. I'm flipping my hair. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
you can you can choose to mm-hmm. do this or you can choose to do that and this choice may lead to you getting the life that you want and this choice may lead to a deterrent but at the end of the day nobody else can tell you what your path is you have to figure out your own path okay so here let's jump into these questions um so the first one as I'm looking at it and still not able to read it. So, and you had all this list of questions, though. We didn't even talk about it. <laughs> and there, there's only three. There's only three we're gonna uh, we're gonna go over. And it was, um, what gives you joy right now? Um, a lot of things. I mean, I I love music. I love my dogs. Crazy about They're my so husband. pretty. Oh my gosh! Uh, they're so much fun. They're monsters. Oh um, I'm really, I'm really into like athletic stuff these days, mm-hmm. um, and I, I got to fitness so much because I have chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the best way to, to deal with that is to restructure my body. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. All the shit that those pain management doctors told me not to do, and <laughs> when they were shoving pills down my throat, all that stuff actually works, girl. Let me tell you. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. Um, the next one is in one word. How would you describe your sobriety? Strange. Um, just because I didn't think in in my mind, in my heart of hearts, like it's like you can't say I'm gonna be rich one day. Mm-hmm. Like, in my mind, I was like, I know I'm going to have a decent life one day, Mm -hmm. um, but it's weird that it's happening because for 15 years, I went through this, your life's never going to get any better phase. Mm. Um, So it's it's better than I expected it to be. It's much, much better than I thought it would be. Okay. And then... Rewarding. Rewarding is probably a good word. Ooh. Okay, so there's like a balance between the two. Yeah. Rewarding and strange. Oh, that's I can see that. The next question is um, what advice would you give to someone else that's uh, that may find themselves kind of struggling with like prescription um, drugs and addiction? Um I know they're heavy. Uh, Sorry, well that one's heavy. Um well, there's a lot. I mean, and I'll say this, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a licensed medical anything. Right. Uh, my experience for me personally, if I had the ability to titrate, it would it would have made it easier on me. Um, but in titrate, titrate, you don't know what that means. It means to slowly cut down on your medicine. Uh-huh. That's what's highly recommended. Like if you go to a pain management doctor and you want to get off of it, they recommend a titrate. But if you were like me and you were someone that could not manage your own life, um, and you you know you're facing death and despair, dude, I have to deal with God. I mean, I don't know how else to. I know it sounds crappy, but I don't know how else to call it because no, it I'm telling you, there was a day that day when I was thinking about shooting myself in the head. I was like, okay, like, either this is going to happen. I'm going to shoot myself at the head or intervention's coming because there is no in-between. That, that was literally me talking to God uh, because I was just like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. Mm, and, and that's when I set the date. Yeah, I set the date to where, like, I'm not playing. I'm by like, this date. This date comes. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm setting a date. That way it's not open-ended. If, I'm, if I don't have treatment by this date, I'm shooting myself in the yard. Oh, my gosh. 
I'm like um, every time you say that, I'm like, I'm so happy that you didn't. And it's and I think too for people, I have like so I guess I could go either way too for like if you're a family of someone that's struggling, look out to resources. The the, the things are changing now compared to what they were like when I got hooked on. Mm-hmm. God, like I said, I, I don't personally believe in methadone. I don't personally believe in suboxone or subutex. I've done them. They didn't work for me. I've never witnessed them work for anybody um, long term. Um, me, personally, I think the best thing to do is treatment. If you have access to treatment, if you don't, man, I don't... You're in the same boat as me, man. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I mean, try to write intervention. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. And it's sad. It's sad that that's the best advice I have for somebody. Other than, because if they're in the same position as me, like, you know, I was at the point where twelve step program is always great, but twelve step program wasn't going to work for me in the beginning because I needed that detox. You know, I can't just stop taking drugs because I hear a lot of great things because I'm talking God now for me I had to get over that physical barrier too and then I could let God come in and heal and do the work that needed to be done faith without works it does and I will tell you that it's it's not sad because that's that's your reality you know what I mean and that's not just your reality that's the reality of a number of people and it just is what it is so. Oh, there are there are a couple um, centers that are like long term treatment centers. Mm-hmm. A lot of them want you to come detox. Uh, but um, if you want, I can send you contact information for those places. That way, if people reach out to you and yes. say, "Hey, um, I have a family member that's struggling," do you know, uh, blah blah blah, and I can say because there's I've, I've done a lot of research on like what places are open and what there is as far as treatment centers and quite frankly since intervention did my intervention there's a lot of centers that are shutting down because treatment laws have changed oh, because, yeah. because there was so much money being made on treatment mm. yeah definitely if you send it to me and then for anybody listening if you um if you're interested in getting that information from Ginger, um, just reach out to me and I'll pass along what she sends to me. I'm not a doctor. I, I, I just like she said, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just another regular, regular girl. But um, I am more than happy to yes, seek medical advice. Yes, like I need like somebody to cue what I'm supposed to say. Seek medical advice. Um, and that's pretty much it for the questions that I had. I kind of want to give credit. I don't kind of, I want to give credit to, um, a mental health therapist that I know. And I kind of reached out to because during this interview, I really wanted to make sure that we didn't end the conversation in a, like a low point for you. Um, I wanted to make sure that we ended it on like a, a higher happy what gives you joy like that note and that we also kind of let you share your experience and what advice you would have to somebody else listening that's going through the exact same thing and maybe they're at different stages um, but I reached out to um, someone that I know who also happens to be an author she goes by the pen name of NCJ Nicholas and she has a book called 21 Tears of a Phoenix Um, and she kind of talks about some of well it's a book of poems it's 21 poems Um, I 
highly recommend like reading it if you're into poems and stuff like that and it's it's like really deep but that's who I reached out to prior to this because I know that she works with people who have like substance abuse issues and things of that nature and I felt like she was a trusted source for me to be able to like make sure I wrap this up and that even having this conversation with you Ginger didn't like go downhill based on the questions because you know I study criminal justice honey I don't know (laughs) so I'm, I'm grateful to her I'm grateful to you and I am grateful to all the listeners again Ginger Wolf her amazing story about overcoming and you know just kind of thinking that certain things like we all we all feel like things won't happen to us but when they do like are you at a point are you in a mental state can you put yourself in a mental state to fix it and to kind of take ownership of your life and to really say no I'm going to be a hope dealer instead and I'm going to work at it like I'm going to encourage everybody that I can I'm going to look for that's something that I'm going to make sure that I'm doing um as far as like finding people who like look uncomfortable I think it's what you said or whatever the case may be but going and like making sure that I typically share smiles but I feel like a conversation could go a lot further at times too so I want to step that up in my life to make sure that if there's anybody around me that may be kind of going through something one I'll never know what their actual story is um but sometimes a smile and a conversation can really change like somebody's day because you never know what people are going through so that's all I think I have um, real quick, I just wanted to, you know, as you were talking about ending on a happy note, like my life looks a lot different now than what it used to, you know, like in the episode, I used to wake up at 5.30 in the morning trying to, to go to my dealer's house to avoid withdrawal, and now I wake up at like 5.30 in the morning because I want to get up, clean the house, and take my dogs to the dog park, mm-hmm. you know, um, I since I've gotten sober and got off Day the pills. Yeah, I, I managed to, you know, I own, I'm part owner of a house, uh, two brand new vehicles, just bought a Tesla, really excited about that. I saw that. I was like, Ginger got a what? Yeah, and I got my license back. That's something Yay. that um, we, we didn't touch on. Um, I actually, my husband pushed for that right after we got married because he realized what a hindrance it was for me to not have a vehicle because I'm a shut-in when he's gone. Yeah. He's gone out the sea for four months at a time. Um so he, he, he kept asking me, he said, fight for your license one more time. He's like, let's get an attorney and fight. And I had already fought twice and been told no and lost and spent money and lost. Um, so I didn't want to do it. He's like, listen, just do it one more time. And it was this last time. He's like, they say no again. He's like, we'll never ask again. We got an appellate attorney out of St. Augustine named Rocco Carbone. Mm-hmm. And he won immediately. And I, they revoked my sentence. They, they reversed my sentence. Wow. Because um, I had an illegal sentence. The judge sentenced me way um, out of the realm of what she could sentence me to. Uh-huh. Um, and they Ooh. can't say, you know, sorry about, sorry about everything else. You know, all they could do is here's your license back. Wow. Um, and then I had to pay it again back. <laughs> but I got it back. Uh, and I haven't had it taken since, which is, you know, two, almost two years ago now. Um, so I've got a valid driver's license, which allows me to be a contributing member of my household. Um, I think that was a really big thing mm-hmm. after I got sober was getting my license because it, 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 it gives me the affirmation that, okay, now you're an adult. Now you can do things without other people. You don't constantly need somebody else just to do basic needs. Um, 
you know, when I started, when I, with my husband being gone so much, you know, I started looking into other things. I also spoke out um, about what happened in, in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a large movement, and Lowell is actually under a huge investigation right now because of me and I think 14 other women mm-hmm. that came forward and spoke about um, what happened at Lowell and, mm-hmm. you know, what goes on there every day. And there's been a lot of heat under it um, the past six months here. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Come on, but, action. Um, what's up? I said, come on, action. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think they're doing what they can. The, 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 oh, the warning that was there when I was there was fired. Um, a lot of people have been let go. That has been proven to have been, you know, abusing inmates and doing things that, you know, having a job for, for the wrong reason. Right. Um, okay. What else? I'm like nervous uh, when you talk about that because I'm like, ooh, okay, never mind. Oh, Just because no, you said it's like uh, ongoing or something. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, my, my portion with it's done. Okay. Um, you know, basically, we just we just wanted to told about about the rapes that happened, about the beatings. There was an inmate that was found dead. Um, um, you know, just just the normal, the normal everyday alone. You know, the denial of things that you're supposed to get. There's no clean water, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but the, so, so I participated in that, which felt like I was doing something. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I've, I've done a, uh, you know, I've done some stuff where I, I just recently went and did an aerial silk teacher training in Atlanta, which is cool. I really want to work with people that have had trauma, whether mm-hmm. it be children or um, adults or whatever, just have some trauma, and they feel, feel like because it's statistically proven that people who have emotional trauma they're not as likely to want to be involved in competitive sports mm-hmm. like, I, like because like if you were told like me as a child like you're no good you're useless you're worthless you're stupid you're slow whatever whatever I don't want to go try out for a team because then if I don't make it it, it kind of confirms that yeah that I was told as a child so I even if I think I'm really good at sports which I actually am mm-hmm. you notice I never played team sports in high school and that was part of it. So for me, um, part of what my healing has been has been finding ways to to interact um, physically on levels with other people through boxing mm-hmm. or through um, the aerial silks and to try to find some type of healing with my body and my energy as well. And I'm a lot more conscious of what I put into my body. I really want to say that in the beginning and we got off on such a tangent. As far as like, I look at like the food medicines I have to take any medicine ever like even as I just don't mm-hmm. um, just because I, I'm, I'm kind of looking into consumer stuff too like just yeah. because it's sold and just because it's promoted and just because the ad and the people that make money off of it say it's going to make you better it's going to help you it's going to do this it's going to do that I don't know if that's going to be true for me let me make my own decision right um, and that's something that you had kind of touched on earlier about you know, I forgot how you phrased it, but in my mind, that was what came to it was, you know, making your own decisions, follow your intuition. Mm-hmm. That's probably some of the best advice I could give to people because in all these situations that I have found, like these precarious situations I found myself in, I had a strong intuition saying, this is probably not the best thing to do, mm-hmm. but these people know more than me, um, like with the doctors, mm-hmm. like in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably not the best decision to make but these are my authority figures. Um, so every time I have not listened to my inner self, I have compromised myself. And it's, it's sometimes it's things that you don't get over right away. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. 
No. I get asked about it all the time, and to be honest, I kind of shy away from a lot of stuff, but I mean, uh, I know you, so... I am grateful for every minute. Do not apologize. Like I said, I don't care if I have to cut this into like three episodes. Like the people will get all of this information because it's it's so good, it's so relevant, and it's so like this is literally like a lot of times like what I, I said it with um another episode that I did when it came to like my surgery um for my, my breast augmentation. Uh, like it was something that I didn't do something I wanted to do but something that I didn't do because I didn't feel like I had permission to do it I didn't feel like other people actually did it I didn't you know I didn't know anybody or know of anybody else that had done it and you know it like I just felt like it was for somebody else something that I wanted to do but for somebody else until I met people or I heard the stories of people who were in like the same position at one point and they made a change and you were in positions a number of positions and you made a number of changes and the people need to hear it, girl so every minute of this is going out don't worry about it anyways i will wrap it up for the people we're gonna keep talking but i'm gonna wrap it up for the people um thank y'all so much for listening um this is probably there'll probably be more episodes i'm telling you there will be more episodes of this nature just because i see so much value in it and again y'all know that you're listening to the changeover this is about your life on your terms again my guest her name is jennifer jennifer who is jennifer (laughs) what in the world her name is ginger wolf amazing amazing woman to know amazing story and i still think that you should write a book so we'll talk about that anyways for the listeners y'all have a good one bye yay i want to shout each and every one of you that can hear my voice right now out because y'all are amazing my typical episodes are about 15 20 minutes And y'all made it over an hour. I don't care how many segments it took. I don't care how many times you listened to it. Hopefully more than once. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will be back next week. It's me. I'm Solo Dolo. And um, until then, it's your life, your terms. Bye. Even though leaving a good place can be hard to do, it'll always be worth it when true happiness is the goal opportunities are everywhere. Are you prepared to take them? Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time, keep in mind, this is about your changeover.